Well, thanks for listening to a podcast for Killer Whales, the podcast that talks all about the Southern resident Killer Whales, J-Pod, K-Pod, and L-Pod. I'm Allison Morrow, your host. And today we are talking to Lanny Johnson, who just ate for the first time after 17 days starving herself for the Southern resident Killer Whales to raise awareness on the steps of the legislative building in Olympia, Washington, our capital. So Lanny, you've eaten now it's been one day of back to normal uh, meals but first off why the heck did you decide to do this i mean i guess people must be scratching their heads when they were walking by seeing your sign i i began to learn uh, about the orca out there in the salish sea i i never really paid a lot of attention before i don't swim i don't i don't fish so I just kind of live here in Snohomish in my own little place. and, and uh, But then uh, Tahlequah carried her dead baby last summer for 17 days. And that certainly made me sit up and, and pay attention. And, and the, more, the more I delved into the issue of what is going on with our uh, southern residents out there, uh, the more uh, concerned I became because they are so very close to being lost to us. And while I don't fish and I don't go out on the water or anything, I still value them greatly. Um, so I needed to, I felt like I needed to do something. And it's, it's easy to feel helpless, you know, um, when, you can't, when you can't get the attention that you need to something that you need to get attention to. It is. And, and I uh, think you're not alone with people who feel helpless when it comes to these whales. I always try to remind people in case they're new to the podcast that the Southern resident killer whales only have 75 alive in the wild right now. And that's of today's recording. We don't know what will happen in the months to come. And you brought up Telequa. That's J35. She was the one who really captured the attention of people around the world because she had this calf that was basically stillborn and she would not let go of it and took it on like a thousand mile journey, pushing its uh, dead body around and was really that figure. I think that started to turn the ship around because it raised so much attention that I think the people in charge finally started to feel pressure from the public to start something and ramp up the efforts. Not that the study of Southern resident killer whales is new. I mean, the scientists have been saying for many, many, many years that we were going to possibly lose them and that they were headed for potential extinction in large part because they don't have enough to eat. They eat salmon and salmon, especially Chinook salmon, uh, are not doing so great. They're also protected by the endangered species list. So we know that that's become a problem for them. So I can feel your pain on that. And I talk to people all the time. I'm curious though, why did you feel like starving yourself was the thing to do to raise awareness? Is it because the orcas themselves don't have enough to eat or was it just because uh, hunger strikes are something that people do. I mean, did you do that in direct relation to the plight of the Southern resident killer whales? Yes. Yes. Because, because I thought, well, they're starving and, and I can manifest hunger. It, I mean, it's easy to say, oh yeah, they're starving, they're starving, but what does starving look like? You know, what happens to, uh, an individual when it doesn't get food? How, how does that impact their health? Their, they're everyday living, they're taking care of their families. Um, and so I thought, well, uh, I don't have a lot of money, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of old, I'm 71. 
So, so my options were limited, but this was something I saw as something that could be of value that I was capable of doing. So I decided to do it, and uh, it kind of evolved over a few months. I didn't just jump into it. I thought about it a great deal. I talked to friends. I did research online. I went to my doctor. I talked to my husband, and I really just felt compelled. I really felt like th this is something I can do, and I, I want to do it. So um, the doctor said, my doctor says I'm healthy, so I that's what I did. Now, in the process, there were other people who came forward to help me. Um, there are some really wonderful people who live in Port Townsend that belong to a group called the North Olympic Orchipod. And uh, they came and stayed with me. Uh, I went down there. I live 90 miles from Olympia. So I went down there uh, Mondays or Sundays and came home on Fridays. And um, they would come with me and because I, I was, I have to tell you, if you don't get food, you weaken. It's amazing yeah. how how weak I am. I think I saw you sitting in a wheelchair the last day, right? I did. Uh, the main there's a couple of reasons for that. It's uh, on the one hand they don't. I went inside the building when it was raining, but they don't allow chairs in the building, but they allow wheelchairs. So and they and they actually have them there for people to use. I so see. So I just asked to borrow one. On the other hand, it became more and more difficult for me to walk from where I was to where I wanted to be. And so I appreciated the wheelchair for that support. I, if I brush my hair, I need to sit and rest. Uh, the most menial tasks that you would just think nothing of it as you go through your day. And suddenly it's just so hard and you have to go rest afterward because it's such a strain on your whole body. And then I, I always reference that back to the uh, Southern residents, you know, how are they doing? And they're, they're not getting enough food. They're getting poisons pumped into their system because they're, they're eating their fat, uh, which is where all the toxins are stored. That's the milk the babies get is uh, tainted milk. And so I just felt like this was a way that I could, I could maybe make an impact and, and uh, show people you know, what's it like to go without food? So my husband was a Marine for quite a while and he was in the special operations community and they do things like this to prepare them for war and potentially being uh, kidnapped and tortured. So for just your average person to go through that is not easy, I'm sure. And how old are you, Lanny? 71. Wow. So even still, I mean, can you imagine? I can't, I don't think they let 71 year olds in the Marine Corps <laughs> boot camp. So, so you really outdid it. Uh, tell me what, when did you start first feeling the effects of it? Cause I get hungry after a few hours. Is it tough the first day to get any easier? I mean, when did you start saying, man, what have I got myself into or did you? Well, I, uh, I'll tell you when I started saying that to myself. Um, it was probably Monday or Tuesday of this week when I could see the end. And then I realized because all of a sudden my body became very hungry. Prior to that, I was uh, I'd get hungry during the day, but I would drink water and that would quell it and I would just wait and it would go away. But the last couple of days, they it got really hard and uh, I had. I was just stretching toward that, toward the 17th. I just had to get there. So, but the whole thing was never hard for me. It was like I was being compelled. 
uh, I had no resistance to it. I wanted to do it. I insisted on doing it, and I intended to do it. And and so it was never. Of course, sitting in <laughs> sitting in my living room on the weekend, watching my husband eat fish tacos and drink wine was hard. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Hey, he didn't. He didn't do it with you, huh? No. No, he couldn't. He's a teacher. He has to work. I'm curious too, when you were saying earlier that you can manifest hunger and uh, wanted to see the effects that it has, what else did you take away from your experience of not eating for 17 days that you feel like relates to uh, other issues that you would have if say, you know, you're a killer whale? I mean, I'm imagining it affects your cognitive abilities, you know, other kinds of functions. Did it affect your sleep? I mean, what other kinds of yes. issues did you have? Oh, yes. Well, um, uh, okay, I, I was hungry a lot. I, I weakened considerably and pretty quickly. I was surprised at that. I expected it, but I didn't expect it to the extent that it became. It is difficult to sleep when you're hungry. It's difficult to rest. It's difficult to just do everyday things. If you don't get food, you know, everything just kind of starts shutting down. And uh, that's what I wanted to experience. And I wanted to share it with other people so they could think about what was going on out there in the, uh, with our Southern residents and, and be compelled and motivated to do something about it. How was the reaction at the Capitol? What did people say when they saw you? Oh, I got so much. I had not a single negative comment. Everyone was positive. Everyone gave me a thumbs up. They would come and sit and talk to me. They would ask questions. They would take the literature. It was a really good experience on that level. One young woman saw me on TV, I guess, on Monday, Sunday night, and she drove to Olympia on Monday to talk to me. So and what did she say? She wanted to know more. She, she said, I, I'm, I care about this. I want to know more. I want to know what do we need to do? Why do we need to do it? So I, I spoke with her for probably an hour. And, you know, now we're in touch. So, so I'll be a resource for her if she wants to uh, delve further. But um, I think most people are, you know, we're pretty complacent that the governor has it under control. The ORCA task force is working on it. The, the uh, legislators just passed these four bills. For, so it's, it's good. They're going to be okay, you know. My concern is that is not actually the case. Now, while, um, while the, the, the bills that were passed in the legislature are all good, they're all necessary, we needed them very badly. But they're years down the road, and we don't have years because these guys are going down. Um, there is apparently, this is something I was told by a scientist, there is one male that has been responsible for all of the calves born since like 2012. It's a good majority of them. If we lose him, then what, Then who, you know, where are we going to get the babies? Right. Well, it's true that that number 75, scientists will tell you, is totally misleading because there's really like a dozen maybe that the future of these whales is riding on that could yes. even have babies if they were healthy enough to do so everybody yeah. else is basically out of that category at this point yeah so you're right so, well, they could become yeah. functionally extinct very soon they could very soon very soon 
And and uh, those bills that were passed were all good, but again, that that uh, the, that's years down the road for us to see the results of that. That is not going to get the salmon to them in the next uh, three or four years. We need to get salmon to them in the next three or four years. And it's not just the orca, because it's the salmon too. The salmon are the um, they are the Pacific Northwest. Our, to- our ecosystem is built on, that, on those salmon. And so um, if they are in trouble and if they are dying, then everything above them is going to be in trouble and dying as well. Uh, here's a quote from Jim Waddell, uh, who's retired from the Army Corps of Engineers. And he has he been said- on the podcast before. Good. He said, orca are a capstone species. When they are in trouble, the entire ecosystem is in trouble. So, so while we need to clean it up and, and do all these positive things, uh, that, that is not going to keep them from going extinct. We need, there's four dams on the Lower Snake River that we're going to have to breach. We're just going to have to do it. And I do think that, that uh, there's a task force that's forming to look into that. I think Jim, of course, would tell you that the research has already been done and it can happen in the near future if somebody wanted it to. I know I talked to scientists, too, that say that uh, it shouldn't be seen as a smoking gun, that there are a lot of other issues that pose challenges to the recovery of the southern resident killer whales that the snake river dams um, are not what everybody thinks they're going to be just to put that counterpoint in there um though the folks who want them taken down are very passionate about it and unfortunately i think you know watching ken balcom who's been one of the biggest spokespeople for taking down those dams who study these whales for a long time uh i think he was very frustrated with the task force process uh not taking the dams as seriously as he would have liked. Do you feel like the government, the policymakers are kind of trying to punt the issue or do you think they're taking it at least seriously enough to move in some direction about it? I think that the ORCA task force is, um, is a bunch of hardworking people who are working very hard to protect their own little corner of the world, however you want to put it, uh, their own interests. And so and so while they're there to negotiate and work together, they're busy uh, making deals to protect themselves. And I don't believe that uh, Governor Inslee, the um, um, candidate for president, is um, taking it seriously at all. No, because if he were, he would know. People have told him he's been advised. And I think he he believes the same thing that the Orca Task Force does. That, oh, we've got time. We can work on this. We'll get it right. It'll be okay. And in the meantime, we're losing the Southern residents. And, and I'm not okay with that. So why do you think that he created the task force? And, I mean, he posts on Instagram artwork he makes in honor of the whales. Do you think that's all just for show? I think he created the task force because he, then he could say, look, I tried. Look what I did. I mean, what do you want me to do? Nobody has the guts to stand up and say, those four dams are destroying an entire ecosystem. They really are. There is no good reason to have them. The only thing they do is they bring an influx of federal money into southeastern Washington. Removing the dams from the Lower Snake River would be the equivalent of when you take a town and remove a military base. 
the ripple out effect is, is impacting an, a whole community. And that would happen if the dams were taken down, but that can be mitigated. That can be, uh, that can be fixed so that people can be eased into a different lifestyle. That would be a beautiful, wonderful place to go for, uh, I mean, it would be fertile, uh, thousands of acres of fertile ground growing vineyards, uh, whitewater rafting, uh, just there's a lot of things that can be done. Well, you're right to say that there has been a community grown up around the use of those dams from especially the agriculture community. And that's why I think moving forward as these groups are forming to take a look at the dams, it includes all these voices. And I've gotten emails from people who are on board with trying to figure out a way to remove the dams and still stay in business as farmers, wheat farmers, uh, other kinds of farmers, but they just want to be included in the process. And perhaps like up until this point, it's been kind of, uh, they look at it like they're demonized or whatnot. And so they've been uh, scared, but perhaps now everybody is willing to come to the table and, and have a, a real discussion as long as they feel like all the voices are there. I'm curious when you think about the other issues, like the Southern residents come into Puget Sound and they deal with pollution and also there's boat noise issues. Um, and you think about that kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of times, of course, scientists will say that food is the main issue, right? That those factors would not be creating the problem for the Southern residents that they are if they had enough food. Um, where do you fall on those? I mean, do you see those as, 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 as important? And um, when you were talking to people in the legislature down there on the building steps, like, did you talk about these other issues? Yes, I did. Uh, the bottom line for me is I look at the transients who come through, the transient uh, orca who pass through on their way to wherever they go and come back. And I would look at the northern residents who also live in the Salish Sea, and they are both thriving. They're having many calves, and they're doing well. They have the same uh, issues with toxins stored in their fat and uh, with the boat noise, which they seem capable of uh, dealing with. But the southern residents don't get enough food. And since they don't get enough food, then they lose weight, the poisons go into their system, and, it, and they can't conceive, or if they can conceive, the babies are born dead. Or if they do live, they don't live long because the mother's milk is full of poison. Sounds like you got a response from people just your average citizen walking through. Did you ever have a chance to talk to any of the people in the decision-making process when you're down in Olympia, uh, letting people know that you're starving yourself for the whales? Anybody who is in power take any notice? No, I never heard from anyone. I have three representatives down there, but um, they, you know, my Senator Hobbs, Representative Lovick, and the Representative Meade, they um, were deep into the throes of the negotiating for the current legislative session. So I really didn't expect to see them, but I did go by their offices and drop off a packet of information about the dams and uh, let them know that I will be back uh, when they're finished with their with their uh, negotiating for this session and, and I'll be at their offices talking to them. Now these are federal dams and we're talking to a state legislature, but the Army Corps of Engineers was given the permission to breach the dams in the 2002 environmental impact statement. 
So we don't need federal intervention to breach the dams. We just need the Army Corps of Engineers to do it. They could go do it uh, next week if they wanted to, uh, because it's there on, in paper, in writing for them. They just have to make that choice. So, so when you hear about this process going forward without the dams necessarily at the top of the list, it sounds like it's frustrating for you. Uh, why bother doing uh, 17 days without food if uh, you're not sure anyone's paying attention anyway? Why, why bother? Well, I was hoping people would pay attention, and they have. I, I've gotten a lot of attention. and, and um, I should say, I, I not it, no one, the people who, like, you're trying to get the, the people who could oh, take the action the that you power. want. Yes, of course. I see. Um, actually, um, I think that I was looking more to see people like me go, oh, really? Is that what's going on? I'm going to do something. I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to make a phone call. So, so I didn't expect like me to be uh, pivotal in their decision making or, or them to approach me so much as me to be able to tell people, this is how you get to these people. You, you've got to call them. You've got to write them. They've got to hear from us. We need to raise a mighty voice that will overwhelm the opposition. As you think back on it, do you still feel like it was the right course of action? Do you think you could have gotten your point across in another way, or do you feel like this is what had to happen? It was what had to happen. I, I, don't, have, I don't have a mouthpiece. I don't have uh, money. I don't have uh, connections. I don't know anybody. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm a grandma. I live here in Snohomish. I have a garden. Uh, so it was the only way that I could think of that would that would bring the issue forward in a lot of people's lives and make them aware. I'm on Facebook. I do it. I do an update every day. Uh, I film an update and I basically say, "This is what happened today. This is where I am. This is what we need to do." I've got a lot of people following that, and they're doing a lot of sharing. And so, I am uh, hopeful that the momentum that we are building right now will continue to grow. And so people can find you, Lanny Johnson, L-A-N-N-I-J-O-H-N-S-O-N, on Facebook. Lanny, for kind of my last question, what do you hope for? I mean, I guess that seems to be simplistic, but as you see people getting interested in what you did, um, despite the fact that you said at the beginning of the podcast that you felt very helpless, do you feel like you gained a sense of agency in all of this and how do you feel hopeful after it i i do uh i do feel hopeful now because i've got so many people talking to me uh and asking questions and wanting to know more and saying over and over and over again breach the dams breach the dams so uh yes i i did feel helpless before but fasting is something that um it, it's rather effective and uh, it was worth it. Are you hopeful for the whales? Yes, yes, I am. But only, only if we can maintain the momentum, and and uh, bring up what needs to happen. I mean, the Elwa, the dams were breached what two years ago, and over on the Olympic Peninsula. And since then, that river has re has restored itself, and the Chinook are coming back. 
it takes time to build problematic structures. And unfortunately, sometimes it takes longer to fix the problems we've created. Right. So, um, yeah. Lanny, I have to ask you, how much weight did you lose during the 17 days without food? I'd say 20 pounds. Wow. 20 pounds. Oh my. Yeah. And you still feel like everything else, you're okay, healthy and yes. no other issues. No, I have no other issues. It just, uh, weak, very weak. What did your and, doctor and I, say? What did your doctor uh, well, say? I haven't been back to him yet. He told me when I went before I started, I went to him the Thursday before I began the fast. And he said, you know, drink a lot of water, uh, take some electrolytes. Uh, and, and if you have any severe pain, you shouldn't have pain, the severe, like in your heart or organs, then you should stop. But I never did. So, uh, I still feel fine as long as I just sit. It's only when I get up and ask my body to do something that I have to uh, rest. So that'll gradually improve. I'm eating now, which is a wonderful thing. <laughs> what did your grandkids think about grandma? Well, you know, they're in Oregon and they're young. So I haven't had a chance to talk to them. Uh, their mom and dad told me they were going to keep them in, informed. And, and I'll be going down to see them in the next couple of months and and then we can talk about it if we want to keep the southern residents out there in the salish sea and uh and we want them to be a part of our lives and we want to protect our ecosystem and uh we want to we want to save the uh, wild sh uh, chinook and steelhead runs from going extinct we have to be bold now the orca task force was using that word a lot but i never saw anything bold yet coming out of them and this, this, um, they're going to do this stakeholder study. They should start it next month. They shouldn't wait till next December or January. They should start that right now and be working through it so it can be concluded in time to breach the dams this winter. Okay, Lanny Johnson, 71-year-old grandmother who went 17 days without food to raise awareness about the Southern Resident Killer Whales. Lanny, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me.